Hi, I'm Monica. And I'm the other Monica. And we are two Monicas in a microphone. Join us each week as we talk about nothing serious. Seriously. We'll talk about life, differences of opinion, our favorite obsessions, and any topic we find interesting. So grab your crucifix because you never know who wants to suck your blood. I don't know. What are we talking about today, Monica? Uh, it's about vampires, in particular, the vampires of the Eastern European variety, the ones we know as Dracula and Lestat, um, and maybe Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Vampires have been extremely popular in some form or another over the past several decades, I think we would both agree. Monica, do you have your own favorite vampire movie, book, or TV series? Just pick one. I'm going to be lame. I'm going to say Twilight. It wasn't my first introduction to vampires, but it's definitely my favorite. But it's your favorite. I'd have to say that mine currently is Vampire Diaries. I'm on round two of watching that bad boy. That's some great heartthrob TV right there. It is. I mean, it's just basically a soap opera with vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. You like Twilight. I like Vampire Diaries. They're very different from one another. Yes. Um, <laughs> very different. But vampires aren't just a part of pop culture. They've actually been in literature going back to 1817 when John Polidori was in a short story writing contest along with Mary Shelley who wrote Frankenstein. They were in the same contest and he won with his uh, short story Vampire and that's spelled with a Y. Yeah, and he is one of the first to bring it into literature to take this, what we would probably consider attractive and sexy, sophisticated. He's one of the first to actually bring that type of persona onto the vampire. I had no idea. I didn't either, honestly, until I started researching this. I thought it all started with Dracula. And I have actually read Dracula. I have not read Vampire. Vampire is a short story, and Dracula is an incredibly long novel. But today's experts in literature, if you will, actually consider those two to be more part of the folklore and to be conical to the story of the vampire and not so much what you and I would consider literature and pop culture. They're saying they're feeding more into the folklore of it all. I wouldn't say that their folklore, not that I'm any literature expert. I have written lots of uh, English papers in college, but I'm no expert. I tried Um, to avoid those. Oh, there's another podcast topic, literature (laughs) in college. Okay. (laughs) Or things you tried to avoid in college. Yes, or things you took way too many classes on, in in, in my case. (laughs) Death by a thousand paper cuts is all that is. Yes, it was. It totally was. So I think that this is more of a merging um, or a crossover from the folklore into literature because as I really dove in and tried to understand the vampire and where all this fear came from or how did we come up with the vampire as part Mm -hmm. of something we care more to learn about or entertain us if you will Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like those two the Dracula and vampire with giving the vampire a personality and making them part of the aristocracy and I think that that's something we would see in the type of vampire that I'm sure you'll go over a little bit later I can't Um, think of a single vampire who was poor 
No, they're not. That's why I think that they're a mixture of the folklore and they're a mixture of what we would consider literature in the um, conical, if you will, meaning the canon for mm -hmm. how we decide all what, what vampires do and don't do. I'm glad you defined that for me because yes. I wasn't going to ask. I just learned something new. Uh, before we get too far into sorting out which vampires sparkle or who falls in love with their slayer, I want to talk about the time that vampires terrorized Eastern Europe. There was this thing called the Great Vampire Pandemic. I think we're all familiar with the word pandemic now. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a term that was given to this epidemic, if you will, post facto, after the fact, many, many years later. But basically, in Eastern Europe, people were being plagued by something. It wasn't the plague. What was happening is they were dying of rabies. There was a rabies outbreak and they didn't really know what rabies was. So okay. when these people were snarling and foaming at the mouth and biting people, can you believe that? They were biting people. They needed something to blame it on and they didn't know about viruses. Rabies is a virus. So they thought for sure that it had to be something supernatural. Can you basically reference for me vampire traits and characteristics of rabies? so that I can link why someone would see that in their head. This was really fascinating to me. So picture this, somebody gets bitten by a wolf, which was actually pretty common. The wolf is rabid, you don't know it, but you know that the wolf is acting really weird compared to the other wolves. All of a sudden, the person who got bit in the next 24 hours is acting just like this animal and they have an aversion to sunlight suddenly. Now, that is actually a symptom of rabies. Oh, wow. Yes, because both your olfactory and your ocular systems go into hyperdrive. So that's also where we get vampires hate garlic because you know garlic is very smelly. So because it had such a strong smell, it had a strong reaction. Sunlight is strong. So there's a strong reaction. And in fact, even looking in the mirror, they'd see this snarling form and they'd recoil from the mirror. So someone who is foaming at the mouth bites someone else the next day they are foaming at the mouth. So they could see that there was cause and effect. Now here's one that really, really gets me. Now when we think about vampires, we've already mentioned it a little bit. We think they're sexy and mm -hmm. have sex appeal. Well, not that people with rabies were sexy, but <laughs> <laughs> but they had hypersexuality. It's because it affected the limbic system, which controls your emotions and behaviors. That is wow. also why they were really erratic. And um, mm -hmm. another thing that would happen that I would say goes into the vampire folklore that we all know and love is that a vampire sleeps and then wakes up when you get near it. Yes. Um, and that is actually something sadly that happened to people with rabies. What they would do is they would fall into a coma shortly before death. But a lot of times those people would wake suddenly from the coma mm -hmm. and just have a crazy manic spell before they were paralyzed and in the coma and then passed away. Oh, wow. So you can see why people in the Balkans in the 1700s 
thought that there were vampires, to be quite honest with you, because they didn't have the benefit of understanding disease the way we do today. So that was the great vampire pandemic of Eastern Europe. Now, the one that happened in the 1800s in New England, and there's many um, newspaper articles talking about the various vampires that were were dug up and killed. So the Victorian New England vampire really came about because of consumption. People still have the same type of idea as they did back when this rabies um, went rampant, is that once you die, you're coming back as this reanimated corpse and you're causing bad things to happen to people. So we need to dig up this body. So mm -hmm. this starts to come into play with some of how do you get rid of a vampire? I mean, there are many ways to do that, right? Yes. So three of the ways that come from folklore are cutting off their heads, stabbing them in the heart with- Second favorite a wooden stake or really anything you had available let's be honest all right um but i don't know when it gets whittled down to wood no pun intended um, <laughs> <laughs> a chair leg chair leg exactly exactly whatever's available right. and then burning the body or the organs and i would say that as we know those are three main ways to get rid of vampires i will say that that this subject and i think that you can speak to this too with there being twenty six thousand plus books alone written about vampires is that it is very very deep even in the folklore so i did my best to just kind of provide the surface of where we get this really great villain antagonist and sometimes even protagonist that we really enjoy in today's pop culture. The, the history, I had no idea how far back it went or that characteristics of vampires originated with rabies. I had heard that it was an illness of some sort that then was associated with famous people like Vlad the Impaler. Actually, Vlad the Impaler really didn't have much to do with what we know from vampires. Mm -hmm. uh, more so than he was just evil and his name, Vlad Dracula. That Dracula name was just a really good name that was associated with evil that Bram Stoker wanted to use. There's very little actually from Vlad that crosses over other than drinking of blood, if you will, if that's even real, debatable. Sure. But when right. we can really define a vampire is, is right when we get into the Eastern European, the Slavics, okay. the Balkans, is where we start to define what we know as a vampire today. Well, I love the history, the folklore, because that brings us to my favorite part, which is the present day and pop culture and the transition from a vampire as a soulless, evil, bloodthirsty villain to a sexy, immortal, sensitive sometimes, who yes. is in my favorites, star-crossed in love with a human that they can never have and also never want to harm. So that that's kind of where the history takes me because let's just face it, I live in the here and now. I needed to find the dividing line between pop culture and the folklore. And for me, Anne Rice stuck out as the person who made that transition. Anne Rice's book, Interview with a Vampire, really gave vampires heart and humanity. 
She made us able to sympathize with this character who, for all intents and purposes, is soulless, bloodthirsty, and evil. But she gave us their backstory. She <laughs> made us understand how it was they came to be who they were. That for many of them, it wasn't a choice. It was something done to them. And for some of them, it was a choice that they tried every day to fight against. That's where I see it. I haven't read any of the Anne Rice novels, but I know we have a story about watching Interview with a Vampire in college. <laughs> yes, you got me started. <laughs> you just invited me over. It was movie night and you popped it in and we watched Interview with a Vampire and I loved it. I loved the character arc. I loved the inner turmoil. I loved the yeah. how it was just a, as gothic as it could get, if you really want to be honest. I mean, and the I cinematography good, and the costumes. Yes. I love a good gothic story. And not a gothic story, but a good gothic story. And Interview with a Vampire hit all the notes. And let's just talk about who was in Interview with a Vampire. Yes. You have young Brad, Brad Pitt, oh. young Tom Cruise, Oh, Antonio uh, Banderas. Oh, no. very good actors. Kirsten Dunst blew me away. So much so that you and I, I didn't know this at the time, that this is one of your favorite movies. We put that movie back in and stayed up to like two in the morning watching it. Interview with the Vampire is, I have to imagine, an extremely good book because I have read Anne Rice's The Mummy and it mm. is a very good book. She's a, she's a great writer and was prolific in transforming vampires in pop culture. That's where I see the transition happening. Since then, Twilight, obviously, super mm -hmm. famous, published yes. in 2005. Even before that, you had The Vampire Diaries, which started out as a book. It really becomes evident to me that books drive the movies. I'm in a book club right now, and it's a book movie club, so every book we read also has a movie associated with it. That's one of my favorite things about Twilight is that I was able to read the books and then watch the movies. I started out with Twilight watching the movie, but then after the movie, I read the first book and the second book and the third book and I really? devoured them. Yeah. You yeah. started at the movie. Now I've never seen the movie, although Twilight is one of my favorite books of all time. It's a great I book. It really, really is Twilight on its own. And I also refused to watch the movie. And I think you could tell I, I dug my feet a little bit when you suggested I watch it for this podcast. And I said, no, because no one is going to ruin Edward. For you me. should. No, no. Sorry, everybody. I oh, cannot on. take Paddockin and whatever his name is, Robert <laughs> Patterson. Golly, well, I'm like Robert totally. Pattinson. I'm 100% the person that gets the mom that gets made a fun of on Saturday night live for not knowing the names of anything, but I, <laughs> that guy, ugh, he doesn't do it for me. And therefore he will ruin Edward who in my mind looks a certain way, has okay. certain mannerisms. And I cannot have that sullied by an actor. That That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Just like how I didn't want to watch wonder woman unless it was the perfect person was cast. And, and thank goodness she was. She was. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you mentioned, there are over 26,000 books or pieces of literature written oh on vampires or 
with vampires. So I didn't have time to list all of them, but what I do have is a pretty good synopsis of the movies that have been created since Anne Rice's book. So my dad reminded me of Kolchak, The Night Stalker. It was a TV series. Ran yes. from 1974 to 75. Then you had The Lost Boys in 87. Bram Stoker's Dracula was my first introduction to vampires. It was released in 1992. I probably didn't see it till it was out on VHS, so a year or two later. That for me made them seem so sexy, so appealing, until the end when you see the oldest vampire, and then I'm like, oh, he's just <laughs> gross. Interview with a vampire in 94. Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 92. From Dusk Till Dawn was 96, Blade, 98, Underworld in 2003, Van Helsing in 04, Twilight 08, and the Twilight Saga continues 09, 2010, 11, 12. But you also have TV shows. You've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer 97, Angel in 99, True Blood, which I also loved. I binged that hardcore in 2008. I mean, it was all vampire all the time for me after Twilight. It was Twilight and True Blood and the Vampire Diaries. I loved that show too. So that's how I see it breaking down. You have these surges of obsession with vampires where everything comes out. And then you have periods of them receding and giving way to other things like zombies, which I think are horrible and hideous. I agree with you on that. I can't even with zombies, enough with the zombies. And they don't even have a backstory. They have no humanity. They're just monsters, which to me is unappealing. Yeah, yeah. So my takeaway from doing the research into pop culture movies and TV really takes the form of you have two different types of vampire movies. You have one type of movie where a vampire is the star of the movie and the other type of movie where the hunter is the star hunting the vampires. Like Blade and Buffy. Exactly. Blade and Buffy. Van Helsing. Yes. Even Underworld, right? They're True. being they're being well, hunted. They are they vampires. are the stars. Right. At first they're vampires hunting werewolves, then they get hunted. But yes, yes, there is there is that element. Yeah. So what I noticed is that when the vampire is the star, they're usually portrayed with more heart and humanity fighting against what they are. And we are able to sympathize more with their situation. There's also usually a human that they fall in love with. Yes. But when they are being hunted, they're portrayed as the more traditional evil vampire who just has bloodlust and will stop at nothing to fulfill it. That's yes. what I noticed. My, I think my that's a cents. good observation. I think that when we start hitting up the TV series, I think is when they start muddying the waters. Absolutely. With whether or not we should hunt particular vampires, mm-hmm. such as Damon, Salvatore, um sure. or angel. 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 angel 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 anybody who's listening to this we're going to assume that you know who um angel and damon salvatore are if not just go hit the goog and then you'll see why you want to continue to watch them Monica, I can hear you sighing and swooning every time you say Damon Salvatore's name. So just for you, here's the official trailer from The Vampire Diaries Season 1. Dear Diary, today will be different. It has to be. I will smile, and it will be believable. I shouldn't have come home. I know the risk. But I had no choice. Damon. Hello, brother.
you for noticing that. And thank you for sharing that, Monica. That part right there where he says, hello, brother, is one of my all-time favorite parts in CW cinema. (laughs) One thing that I want to kind of cross-reference between folklore and pop culture is I want to see what powers persist and how the powers change through folklore and pop culture. Why don't we talk about the first one? Powers. Which is my favorite part. They're definitely still immortal in pop culture. I really feel like that gets brought to the fold with Dracula. Mind control. I still see that in pop culture, but not as prevalent. I think it depends on the famous vampire you're talking about. Absolutely, it does. Vampire Diaries, which as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm binge watching again. So there's a lot of mind control in there, which is kind of fun. I mean, one of the things about Twilight is each of the vampires has a set number of unchangeable powers, and then they're also gifted with something extra. And I thought that was a really great twist on that. So you do have someone who can see the future, someone who can mind control. One of my favorite powers is the fact that they don't need to sleep, but in folklore they do. They sleep in a coffin. I do like that too, not needing to sleep. I would get so much more done. Just think of all the things you would know, all the things you could do, all the things you could learn. Monica, I would rule the world. As would I. (laughs) Okay, they can produce other vampires, which I think goes back to folklore. Uh, Heal quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that came from. Maybe part of being immortal one of those nice fictional characteristics yeah uh superhuman speed mm-hmm. Adva- i see that in pop advanced culture. hearing and superhuman strength i didn't really see that in the folklore but definitely okay. in pop culture shape-shifting from bats to wolves to ravens that actually goes back to folklore with them believing that some of the rabid werewolves were actually some of the vampire humans you have some other characteristics like highly emotional or sexual. I see that in pop culture a lot. And gorgeous or hideous, it's true. They're either devastatingly gorgeous or horribly hideous. Yes, they're they're rarely in between. I've got one that I know you're gonna love. Oh, which one? They don't age. Oh, that's my favorite. I knew that would be your favorite. (laughs) And how hard would it be if you were bitten as a 13-year-old and then you're like, damn it, I'm 13 forever. Oh, that's the tragedy of Interview with a Vampire. Isn't it though? It is. It's so tragic. Like, give me 27 all day long. From 20 to 34, I would say. Um, yeah, so once you hit 40, you don't want to be a vampire. No, I don't, please. <laughs> I take the age I am right now forever. I have yeah. one more really fun item about pop culture, and it's something that I found while Googling. Okay. So currently, if you would like to know more and become more a part of Dracula and vampire society, there is a Transylvanian Society of Dracula in North America. It's an international nonprofit organization dedicated to the study of both Count Dracula of fiction and Vlad Dracula of history. We will have the link in our show notes. I think that's really great. They're both very, very interesting um, subjects that you could spend a lot of time learning. And it might be more beneficial to just join a group who has actually culled through all the information. We should have started there. It would have been easier. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't know if they allow Edward into their little club though. So sorry. They might be purists. Yeah, they might be. (laughs) 
So we've talked about powers, but one thing that any good villain has is vulnerabilities. So I've got a list here, holy water. I would say that goes back to the rabies and I can't believe I didn't hit on this one, but I'm gonna hit on it now. Uh, people with rabies and animals with rabies are scared of water. That is why they foam at the mouth. They can't even drink it. They're so petrified of it. Oh, wow. Yes, that's just, rabies is awful. Crosses, I believe mm -hmm. that that probably came into play with folklore in New England with the Puritans, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, wooden stakes to the heart. Mm -hmm. uh, we already discussed that one earlier. Sunlight, decapitation as a way to kill them burning garlic blood consumption or else they will desiccate meaning mm -hmm. dry up and here's a very interesting vulnerability they have to be invited into your home i don't I mean know that's where our that best weapon from. that is that's where did it come from weapon. though i still can't i still can't no. figure that one out because like i said there's so much out friends there listening study. if you can find that out for us and send it to us we will give you a shout out Yes. on the next episode and be forever indebted. Yeah. So it's interesting looking at the vulnerabilities because as I'm looking at them, and again, I'm referencing primarily Twilight because Twilight, none of these things are actual vul vulnerabilities to them. They sparkle in yes. sunlight, except for decapitation and burning, those two. Yes. One of the things that I do like about Twilight's take on vampires is that they try to portray that most of what we know about vampires is just a myth. Right. So I like that. I like that was a good twist. I feel like modern times, more the last couple decades, they do a little bit less with the crosses and the holy water. So they kind of took out the religious aspect, if you will. That's a good point. Um, because in Buffy, they are demons. A demon takes over the host body and okay. that's why angel is so unique is because his soul was put back in to that body i'd forgotten about that yeah so i don't know if that just says something a little bit about how society has turned in general that those things are not as important when coming up with evil monsters that's curious yeah yeah that's so very curious maybe they must be invited into a home is because people were real polite in victorian society <laughs> Maybe. maybe. <laughs> just keep going back to that. I just cannot figure it out. But I maybe. like it because it definitely protects you. Mm -hmm. So then they just have so many other just kind of random characteristics that go back to, I'd say, Dracula. Like a widow's peak and they sleep in coffins. They don't cast shadows. But here's a big one that I think crosses over. I didn't see any of it in folklore, but I'm sure we see it in all the pop culture and that is fangs oh and coming in on a mist coming in on a mist those yes. two yes. yes that happens in dracula and there's always a mist when i was reading uh twilight and then when i read dracula later and they seem to float yes i love those scenes yes i love how they just look like they're floating effortlessly yeah. i think that the reason why pop culture you and I, uh, people listening to this podcast, the reason that we like vampires is not because they're the scary monsters of Dracula. I think the reason that we like them is what you had to say about Anne Rice. I think she is the one that made that transition for society. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't me who said it. It was a professor of vampire studies or something. Well, of course it was. Virginia. Of course it was. 
I will give credit to him in the show notes. Believe it or not, we talked about vampires. You would think it could just be a very casual conversation, but I think I have about a dozen resources where I got all this information and compiled it from. So people, you can go straight to the source to see where we've come up with some of our theories. So Monica, we've talked about pop culture, but we haven't talked about pop culture for kids. And that even goes back to the 80s when you and I were kids. So one, I, one. That's right. Okay. <laughs> yes. So you've got Count Chocula. You have Count Von Count from Sesame Street. Uh-huh. You have now you have Vampirina. You have the Transylvania series one, two, and three, which my kids love. Mm-hmm. And I have some Russian friends, and it's really funny to hear them because. My kids go, Do you? I don't say blah, blah, blah. So we walk around the house saying, I don't say blah, blah, blah. Sometimes a Russian accent or an Eastern European accent reminds me of that movie. And it just, it gives me a giggle, not, not in a bad way, but in a very affectionate way. Of course, your husband is immigrated from Russia, correct? That's right, but he has no accent. Otherwise, I might have thought he was a vampire. I got called a vampire once. I've also been called a witch. Have you ever dressed like a vampire? Yes, for a Halloween party at our sorority. I dressed as a vampire. Uh, I even glued teeth on. Oh, good Um, for you. It was cheap. You got the teeth in a cape, and then I just wore black. It was easy. I was a vampire a couple of years in a row. Yes, you were, actually. Mm -hmm. When I was obsessed with it (laughs) in college, I was like, I need to be a vampire. I could never dress up for Halloween, so then I wanted wanted to be evil. Yes, I was allowed to dress up for Halloween some years, and then some years it wasn't allowed. And But any year it was allowed, you could never be anything evil. So, of course, you and I in college, yeah, let's be vampires and go to fraternity houses. And like, give me something evil, <laughs> but not something gory. So I, I do right. remember painting my face and slicking my hair back. Yes, I'm more inclined to dress up as a witch these days. I want to ask you a couple questions about sure. pop culture, because it's just really fun to discover things about your friend because while we've been friends for a couple decades now we don't know everything about each other um especially the surfacey stuff so what is your favorite vampire movie Ooh, that's a tough one i do i could watch twilight over and over honestly okay monica i think it'd be great since you've mentioned twilight so many times and you started the series through the movie if we didn't play a little clip right now You're impossibly fast and strong. You gotta give me some answers. I'd rather hear your theories. I have considered radioactive spiders and kryptonite. It's all superhero stuff, right? What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the bad guy? You know what you are? Your skin is pale white and ice cold. You don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. All right, so we know Twilight's going to be number one. You got a number two? Bram Stoker. Oh, I'm going to go with the classic. Okay. So for me, I'd have to say that it, as far as movies go, it's either going to be Underworld, which I absolutely okay. loved Underworld. Actually, it will be Underworld if I had Kate to pick. Kate Beckinsale. Oh my gosh, and her. her eyes, and she's gorgeous in the story. And there's, yeah. she's so badass in that movie. So I really like that one. I'd probably watch it 
um, several times. Um, now, I know a movie that you haven't seen. I'm going to suggest to everybody, if you haven't seen the 80s uh, Lost Boys, it's creepy. And um, I'll probably watch that again in October for, for some fun. I might save it for then, too. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think you'd like it a lot. Okay, here, here's oh, a question because it might transition into something later Sure, go on. for it. Why is it that most vampires movies start with male vampires? I would like to make a little side note here, subscript. Actually, in the great pandemic, it all goes back to that. In the Eastern European pan- great vampire pandemic, uh, you're eight times more likely to get rabies if you were male. My guess that had to do with the fact that you were out where wolves yeah. would be. Yeah. <laughs> but I do not think that has anything to do with it. <laughs> I think it has to do with what are the vampires doing? If they're being seductive in seducing women, women are going to want to see that. And when they're being badasses like blade that's not a romance that's an action movie and that's one of the reasons why i love underworld because she flipped that on its head yeah did more on pop culture but i did read that there um, was a book that predated bram stoker's dracula yes called carmilla yes and carmilla the vampire was female and it was one of the first works and she was female but now since then most of them are male and they end up turning the females look at vampire diaries look at twilight i think that has to do with the fact that they're generally a romance that was that was my big question and then who is your all-time favorite vampire i don't know edward in in the book i thought he was simply amazing However, I don't know that I just classify him enough as a traditional vampire. So now it has to go between Angel and Damon Salvatore. Because there's a little bit something different about them. Yes. Angel has way more of a heart, but Damon gets a heart on purpose. So for me, if you wanted to write stories about either one of them, I would read them. But I feel like with Edward, the reason I wouldn't put him as number one is because your stories really end with Bella. And I don't feel like Damon and Angel's stories have to end with who they fell in love with. I think they transcend that. Ooh, that's deep. Well, yes, I apparently get way too deep when I am watching superficial things. Um, But I do, I get so lost in the character development, in the story, in the backstory. And that is why I like these. And they can do really, really bad things, but they can blame it on being a vampire. Redemption. Yes. Redemption. I think that's probably my favorite characteristic of my favorite vampires is that they are always working toward redemption Mm -hmm. and it's just always beyond their grasp and they have to live forever. So they're constantly struggling for redemption and it's just never there. Oh, I love a good tortured soul. So Monica, what do we have coming up in the future? Monica, I'm going to stop you right there before we talk about what's next. And let's pay a little tribute to our favorite vampire, Angel. As to the intruder who broke into your home last night, local authorities have no information on him. However, we do have several top private investigators that... We do things a certain way in L.A. I keep my name out of the paper, and I don't make waves. 
In return, I can do anything I want. Can you fly? People in this city need help. Wow. I'm not good with people. You sure about that? Oh my god, Angel? Are you still... Yeah, there's not actually a cure for that. <laughs> awesome. I think some of the things that we have are coming up in the future is cooking. Again, we've mentioned husbands, plural, um, <laughs> and famous. He could never get our name wrong if it were the same one. <laughs> that is so true. It's so true. We can never be offended. Um, famous people like Wesley Snipes. And then just a few just rap sessions, if you will, about things we love and things that annoy us. We need to have, we need to have some fashion in there too, I think. Absolutely. Fashion is going to be one of those things that we love, I'm sure. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Friends, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We're still learning. Thank you for all of the patience and grace that you're giving us. Thanks so much for letting us be part of your day, whether that's folding socks, driving to work, or getting in your cardio. We're happy to provide you with some entertainment about nothing serious, seriously. For extended show notes, please head over to our website, twomonicaspodcast.com. That's two Monicas with the number two. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at two Monicas and find us on Pinterest at two Monicas podcast. If you'd like to connect with us directly, email us at two Monicas podcast at gmail.com. Today's podcast was written by Monica and edited by Monica and produced by Nothing Serious Productions. Music credits. A Singular Perversion by Kevin McLeod. Measured Paces by Kevin McLeod. Darkest Child by Kevin McLeod. Dark Viking by Frank Schroeder. World of Pandora by Frank Schroeder. Hidden Agenda by Kevin McLeod. 